we are back. Welcome back to Talk It Up. Today's guest, Dan. How you doing, buddy? Good. How are you doing? Doing good. It feels weird because I haven't done a podcast. This is the first podcast I've done in like six or seven months. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to have you here. I know we talked about it for a long time, even back at the old studio. Right. Um, and for the people listening or wondering why we didn't do one for a while, I had a wedding that came up, school, all the regular stuff that people say take you away from life. Yeah, very true. <laughs> but it was good though. Um, you were at the wedding, man. Did you enjoy yourself? Yeah, it was a beautiful wedding. Yeah. It could have been more fun. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I feel like it was cool. We we were, um, and a lot of people know, like we'd, we've been engaged for what, three years? I'm asking you. <laughs> yeah, it was like 10 years, right? <laughs> yeah, 10 no, years engaged. <laughs> we've been together nine going on 10, but three, I think two to three years ago, we got engaged mm -hmm. and we had started planning it. COVID hit, uh, which is kind of like a blessing in disguise, right? Because we, um, we ended up finding this venue, which ended up being wonderful. So we went to, for the people that don't know, we went to Cancun, uh, Mexico, uh, did the wedding out there and, uh, did the honeymoon in Tulum. Um, uh, but I kind of feel like it, I couldn't have like pictured it better. Like I, I thought like there's going to be so much different personalities and so much to do. And there was, mm -hmm. um, but I feel like when I look back on it, it was a little, uh, I couldn't have imagined it better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, same here. I didn't know what to expect exactly, but it was a beautiful resort and everyone was great. So I yeah, think it was a good time. That's yeah. I think it worked out well. I, I couldn't have imagined anything else, but one of the things I was thinking about when I got back uh, from the, um, from the wedding is uh, my alcohol consumption. <laughs> and I always think about that because it's at sea level, right? So you right. can drink a lot more um, for longer, or I guess what, not a lot, I guess a lot more would be the best way to put it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I guess apparently if you drink in an airplane, you get pretty wasted quickly off like one drink. It's the opposite when you're at sea level. Right. And you kind of have a bigger tolerance. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I was thinking back to it. It started off with me just thinking like, man, I feel like I drink a lot and which it's a wedding. Right. I feel like most people did. Right. But my tolerance was way higher when I got back. Like I came back and uh, we had a baby shower. Mm -hmm. and I think I was like six beers deep. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's usually like where I kind of stop. I mean, I feel great. I can do like another six. Yeah. <laughs> Did you drink at all after the, the wedding? I, I think I took about a week off. I think I needed a week to just. That's, I should have done a week. Clear it out. But no. <laughs> clear it out. But no, I mean, after that, I guess I kind of have noticed a little bit of a difference too. I think it's just like the altitude stuff. Going to Albuquerque, it's like a lot yeah. higher altitude. So. But do you think your tolerance is higher? Maybe. Because maybe, you, did you, do you think so? I, I'm just trying to figure out if I'm the only one that happened to. Cause I, I remember thinking that like, this is like, I, and I know I joke, like I could probably have six more, right. but like, I remember thinking like, God, it's like, I feel like fine. I, I feel like that's the thing. I mean, tolerances can change and yeah. especially the amount we were drinking could definitely change it. But I think I'm just such a lightweight. Anyway, so <laughs> yeah. like, I, it's like, okay. You're, I used to have one and now I can, I can have, have two. two. <laughs> yeah. It's literally like that. So that's hilarious. Yeah. I, uh, when I was doing that process of thinking of like the, um, the tolerance part too. But then I started thinking um, like what it does to your body. Right. Mm. Cause there's no it's, alcohol is such a weird thing right. because it's like, it's the only, which weed is legal here now too, but um, and in some other places. Right. But for mm. the longest time, it's the only legal thing you can get. And it, I feel like it's so bad for you. Like I can't think of one thing for mm. weed. You can make some arguments. Like it helps with people that maybe have an eating disorder, helps you have an appetite, it helps with different right. things. Right. And smarter people know more than I do about that, but alcohol, there really isn't one. Like, can you think of like a, the only thing is like pain, I guess. You think like, alcohol helps with pain? I, that's what people say, right? Like they'll take like <laughs> a like, shot and like. I guess. I, like emotional pain, maybe? No, like physical pain. I really? thought like it's a little you bit know, numbing. I, thought, I don't know. I always see people after they drink in pain because they're like, 
well, that got too. hurt or got into yeah. a fight or <laughs> you're like more likely to be fun like to hurt yourself. Yeah. But they're really, I guess the only benefit I can see to alcohol is socially someone who's socially awkward sure. when they have a few drinks, like it's there. And for someone who maybe has a hard time opening up in a group, uh, it's yeah. a, it's like a social lubricant. Yes. Ooh, okay. That's, a, yeah. that's yeah. the one benefit. <laughs> they should put that on all the bottles. <laughs> social lubricant. Yeah. But other than that, there's not a lot of benefits to it. Yeah, I would agree. I yeah, mean, but there's a ton of bad stuff. My top thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the reason why that thought process came about, because I'm like, there's no way I'm a better like human being after drinking that much over the, <laughs> over the, uh, it was your wedding. weekend though. It was your wedding. So for sure. You had to- and, uh, my body's going to, I've struggled so much with going back to the gym and, but I know like I will, like whenever I get back into a routine, it'll be fine. Yeah. But yeah. I was just sitting around like, God, I bet I like, ru- like ruin something in my body. Like, Right. Usually your body will regenerate fine. So I'm not too worried, but yeah, I just remember thinking that like, there's nothing good like health wise. Right. So strange that like that would be legal for so long other than the prohibition. Right. But before that was legal and they made it illegal. Right. I wonder who was the first one to like make alcohol. Like how would you even tell someone about it? I feel like it must've been an accident, you know, like back. He accidentally made alcohol. Well, because it's like fermented fruits, right. Or fermented. Oh, so someone ate like a bad plum. Right. And just started like taking their clothes off and dancing. Right. Or like they were storing a bunch <laughs> of fruits. Steve is crazy. And, yeah. <laughs> crazy Steve eats all the old plums. And he, right. He's like party. <laughs> yeah. No, there has to be something to that. I bet you're right though. Cause I forgot it's, it, it's all alcohol fermented fruit or some um, form of fruit. Cause vodka's potatoes, right? Right. And I believe that's fermented. Right. Right. And then um, tequila is agave. Agave. Yeah. Plant, yeah. And then beer hops, right? Hops. Yeah. Yeah. Some fermented something, huh? Yeah. It's weird to think. Have you seen that? Have you ever heard of Hooch? No. So they have your Oh, wait, actually, it sounds familiar now. You're like Turner and Hooch? Right. No, like uh, in prison, they make Hooch. It's like, Mm. uh, I don't know. I know my brother got in trouble for making it one time, and I've heard stories. But it's like uh, they would get all the old fruit peels and stuff, and they would just leave it in a bag and let it rot and then drink it. I heard it's terrible, but I heard it jacks you up. So I think you're right. I think it was some, some bad fruit. Yeah, they just like accidentally got drunk one day from fruit. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like they ate some fruit and like the family acted weird. Right. Um, I was thinking of like an old, uh, there's a Nick Swartz, you know, Nick Swartz is the comedian. Right. He does Parks a funny, yeah, uh, no, not Parks oh. and Rec. Oh, I'm thinking of Nick. Else. Oh, you're thinking of uh, Rob Swartz? Sw- yeah. Ron Swartz. Ron Swartz. <laughs> no, Nick Swartz is the name of the actual actor. Uh, but he also does stand-up comedy, but he does a funny skit about the first brain freeze ever. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty funny. I won't ruin it because he does it way better. But that, I started thinking about that, like ice cream. It's a delicious treat. We're all going to love. Right. Like someone like, this is so good. I'm just going to eat it faster. Then <laughs> <laughs> he gets a brain freeze. What the hell is this? Right. It's a funny skit, man. But it made, that's how I was thinking like the alcohol thing. I was thinking like, who's the first person to like have a moment True. with this? And you got to think it was weird. Do you remember... Your first time, not dr- the first time you drank alcohol, did you get drunk or was it like you tasted it and hated it? Um, it's a great question. I feel like I've tasted it before, like in high school, just at like family things and I didn't get drunk for sure. But like, yeah. I'd say the first time I was like drinking, drinking, like definitely got buzzed. And do you remember like being, do you remember just being in the moment or was it like, oh man, this is weird. I, I remember enjoying it. Like I didn't yeah. hate it. I think it was at a party though, where like some of my other friends were drinking more than I was. Mm-hmm. And so then it kind of became this thing of like trying to take care of like some of the other people. <laughs> like the babysitter. Right. I don't know. I guess that's just like the vibe I give off or something. But yeah. yeah. Dan will take care Mom of us. Vibes. Let's all take Jaeger bombs. Yeah. I'll take care of everyone. 
<laughs> I, I remember uh, same thing that you said. I remember drinking some alcohol when I was younger. I think my parents would part, my biological parents would party mm-hmm. a lot. And I remember sipping like their drinks. Right. But I think I did like all like people that you weren't like, even in my family. Equivalent like, of like, they would look and I would yeah. just drink a little. And I remember thinking this is weird. Why do parent or why do adults drink? Because yeah. like, beer isn't good. And they it's weren't not. drinking like fruity drinks. But I, I remember the first time I actually drank was again at a party in high school. Mm-hmm. Like got drunk drink. And I went to a party with a guy and I went to fit in. There was like college people there. And I'm like, yeah, it was like, I do this at home all the time. Right. <laughs> so I think I just drank. It was Mad Dog. Um, it was like a, a malt liquor. I don't know if you ever had it. Yeah, I've had that. I feel like it was, that's the, every time I bring that up to people, they're like, that was my first thing. I feel like people in our generation used to drink that a lot like right. back in the day. But I got jacked up on it. And I remember th- like my brother had done the same thing like about a year before. And it was the red one. And he was throwing it up. And I thought oh, it was blood. I, I was like, I was like You're 15 like years old. I'm like, yeah, my brother's dying. No <laughs> one cared. They're like this happens all the time. Like he's going to be fine. Right. He's throwing out blood. Like I was so scared. Mm-hmm. And then so a year later when I did it, not on the red one, I think it was like a, a blue one or something different. Mm-hmm. I just remember thinking like, God, I'm him. Like I'm him back then. Like, right. And then I woke up and I was like, nah, not for me. And I didn't drink alcohol for a long time. I think all the way to like junior or senior year. You're like all the way until I was like 16. Yeah. Just kidding. It's like the next year. Just until the next bad thing happened. Right. This is way better than life. But no, I think when you're that young though, like it can definitely be really freaky. Like you don't really know. You don't understand it. Like what's fully happening or what's possible. Yeah. I think it's different when you're not drinking and you're visually seeing it. Because, like, some people, you don't know. Like, you'll hear the next day, and they're like, I was jacked up. You're like, I mean, you did seem like, drunk, but not to the level. But mm-hmm. then when you experience it, too, you're like, oh, it's like a different version of the same event. Right. And so it's just weird how, like, perception, um, reality, what is it? Reality is perception. Perception is reality. Yeah. God, re- I got to get my phrases right. I don't know. Yeah. One of, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it just really depends on your angle. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I always remember that. And I feel like uh, health-wise, if I sat down with, like, a mm-hmm. scientist or someone who could really what would it be someone who breaks down what happens in your body? Is it a biologist? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. More than like, a scientist. If I sat down with a biologist that like showed me the effects of alcohol, yeah. I think I'd be like, Oh Jesus. Like, right. I am, I am messing some stuff up. And like the chemistry of it. Neurochemistry. Yeah. Ke- yeah. The way it affects your brain and stuff. It can't be good. Mm. But yeah, I always think like in this world, like those are, and then of course, we're, I love how we're getting into alcohol and drugs and right. stuff it's like, like right the off first the bat. Thing. Yeah. I think it's just cause I was thinking about that recently. Right. Like just like well, the, the wedding and partying. Yeah. Like one thought led into another and, and that was just on my head, but, or in my brain. Um, but it can't like, there's no way like that. It's weird as human beings, like if, and I'm not saying we like me and you, but I think some people are on something at all times, whether it's drinking, smoking, caffeine coffee sugar right Mm -hmm. and so you almost got to think that like the sobriety the true sobriety meaning like not Mm -hmm. eating all all these bad stuff first that's got to be weird at that point right right do you think other than monks or like people like that even them sometimes i bet they're doing some crazy stuff Mm -hmm. um we're kind of on something at all times it's a weird like concept yeah i I think especially with sugar like that's a a big one one for a lot of people and just like in country like we eat a lot of sugar Mm -hmm. that we don't even like think about is sugar as we're eating it. I mean, not that I'm like against sugar, but I mean, I, I think that sugar. No. there's always something, you know, like we're always eating things that we yeah. do not know. Yeah. yeah. I think there's always, there, it's unless you're a child, well, even child, there's a lot of sugar there. Yeah. But, uh, you, you ever talk to someone that's like, uh, what's a nice way to put this like out there. And then sometimes I always think to myself, like, what if we're all crazy and this person's like the one normal person? Well, I mean, I think it's interesting, like to consider that, like, mental health and mm-hmm. the idea of like 
kind of categorizing people based on yeah. their own perceptions or like interactions with the world. Like, I mean, we're both in like the mental health field and I think like we mm-hmm. come into contact with a lot of people who are out there sometimes. And but I, I find it very yeah. interesting. Like I've never yeah. like, all the, I, ne- I don't like to use the word crazy. Yeah. Unless it's like in a funny, like you're crazy, man. Like sure. hanging out with a friend, but it's kind of interesting. Like some people say things. I'm like, I never thought about it like that. That's mm. kind of a good point. And some of it is out there, but I like those conversations because they're interesting. I, I, uh, yeah. I always think like, man, what if there's some truth to this? I always think of like movies where they portray that. Mm. Oh, there was one I watched recently. I can't think of it, but he had like, he was doing drugs. It was with the guy from Maze Runner. Have you seen Maze Runner? Yeah. Dylan O'Brien. Yeah. But yeah. it was, <laughs> is he like a little like child actor or something? Well, no, I know him from like Teen Wolf. Um, okay. He so, wasn't Teen yeah. Wolf, but he was in a movie and that we just ran into it, I think on Amazon, me and Laura. And mm-hmm. it was about like, he was missing a friend from high school. Do you know what I'm talking about? Vaguely. I think. And they did drugs together. Uh-huh. And then he was like, I wonder what ever happened to that girl. So then he goes back to like take drugs to try to find her again. This oh. weird street drug that no one does anymore. Yeah. And, uh, and then it turns out like he was on drugs the whole time. Lost oh, in his wow. own head trying to take drugs to become sober again. It was like a, one of those trippy mind movies. Yeah. But it always makes me think of that. Like now we're getting all sci-fi, but right. matrixy, but it's a, uh, that's why I find it interesting. Cause I like to hear people's perspectives on, on what their view of life is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think working in the mental health field field helps me be less sensitive to that stuff. Like it doesn't yeah. bother me at all. Like even if I'm like out and about at a restaurant and someone's saying some off the wall stuff, mm-hmm. I think I'd be like, Whoa, like, what do you mean? Like, I'd want to hear about it. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like, I think, you know, I lived in Albuquerque for a little over 10 years now. And mm-hmm. I used to ride the bus going to UNM I bet you there's some characters on there. Yeah. And at first, you know, like, I'm this, like, sheltered boy from Ventana Ranch. It's like a suburb <laughs> up there. So, like, you know, for most of my time in high school, I never mm-hmm. really left that part of the city, you know, for the most part. And so going to college and, like, interacting with all these people, I think it taught me really quick how to, like, just kind of feel safe like in your own space and like realizing that like you know these are just people that are was it a culture here. shock at first where you're like whoa what is going on on this bus a little bit yeah and yeah. I think it definitely you know Elias my ex he's definitely someone who is very streetwise and like mm-hmm. has always like put himself out there and so he um kind of helped me like acclimate to that too a little bit really but um but yeah I think that you know over time it's just this thing where like they would talk to me and I would talk to them too. And like, it was just kind of like a normal conversation sometimes with, you'll be surprised what you, and I learned this from the wedding too, Mm -hmm. is like the amount of prejudging we do as human beings. Mm -hmm. And we all like to say things like, Oh, I I don't judge people by their skin color or the way they look. And that's cool. Right. I'd like to believe everyone, but we all have mental things that we latch onto. Right. Mm -hmm. And so even being on the uh, wedding trip, we would run into so many people, so, Mm -hmm. so much different people. And you couldn't guess. Because sure. here you can see a guy, maybe he's a little grungy or whatever. Like, oh, you can kind of like that guy's in the punk rock or does this or that. Mm-hmm. And some, like you can kind of judge people a little bit or guess. You could still be wrong, but you, you most likely you're right. Mm-hmm. But over there, like I met a white dude. Uh, I, I, I think I met a couple Americans, mm-hmm. but I'm, we met a white couple from South Africa that had oh, like uh, an accent. Mm-hmm. We met uh, another white couple that was from Canada. Uh, mm-hmm. They're French Canadians are from Quebec. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, but you just couldn't tell. So you couldn't even judge the white people. Like, no, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? It was like, and you just meet like all these different people from different places. And I started realizing this is kind of cool. Like I never know who I'm going to meet. Um, and I mm-hmm. liked that by day two, 
like I no longer approach people like, oh, these must be Americans or like based off the way they dressed or what they were doing. Right. And it was cool. And going back to what you were saying, I think our brains go to a certain place when we're like, we've never been on a bus. Right. And then we're there and we see something. You're like, I saw a movie about a guy on a bus like this. So then you assume that person's like that. Right. And so then you stay. It's just it, a bunch of stuff happens. And it's like, it's good to like break free of that a little bit. I agree. And I think that um, I really like living in the city now because now I live like in Knob Hill, which is uh-huh. um, kind of close to the university. That would be like downtown-ish, would you say? Yeah. Like, I mean, I feel like downtown in Albuquerque is like by the courthouses and the clubs and stuff like that. Is that far away from where you're at? A little bit. It's okay. like maybe like a couple miles out. But but yeah, it's like the university area. And um, I think, you know, you just kind of learn to just do your own thing. Like it's kind of like an urban living type like situation, like city living versus like yeah. living on the West side or like the Northeast Heights. Like it's like, you're kind of in your own little bubble, mm-hmm. which is fine. And like, I think there's people who, um, you know, have families and like, that's, that's the way that they would prefer to be, you know, like just in that part of the city. Yeah. But I think it's nice to, to like be exposed to like everyone and, and kind of just, live your life. Yeah. Especially because most cities are like that, right? There's right. a downtown in almost every city you go to and it freaks people out sometimes. Mm-hmm. What, what's the deal with Albuquerque? I feel like I've been hearing a lot. Like everyone always talks about how bad it is. Is that true? Or is it people from Albuquerque complaining? I mean, I think there's a truth to it in the sense that there are pretty high like crime rates in Albuquerque. Like that's, but are they higher actual. than normal? I know they're always high, but every, yeah. like recently, like in the last year, people are like it's nightmarish. Like and I'm trying to figure out like if it's just people over exaggerating or if it's like there's some facts behind it. I don't know the exact like rates, but I do think like homicides are up and stuff like that. So, really? Yeah. Oh, like, Jesus. So it's not even violence. Like, yeah. Oh, Jesus. So like that's real for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I do think that to an extent like it's not as bad as it sounds like when you hear that, like it's like really freaky and you're like, okay, like I'm not going to go to Albuquerque and mm-hmm. get shot. You know what I mean? But Try going to Chicago. Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. and I think that what it comes down to is like, you still have to live your life. Like, you know, it's not like I'm like in my house all day, like trying yeah. to hide out from violence in the street or whatever. Like, it's like <laughs> not that bad. And and the reality is like a lot of people have to live in like parts of the city that maybe yeah. aren't as safe just because like that's where they've lived their whole lives or mm-hmm. their family has lived. So yeah, I think that it gets a bad rap for sure. But I mean, there is some truth too. Well, the breaking that, bad didn't help. Like, so sure. even, even yeah. in Mexico, like people were like, even the people from Canada, they're like, right. oh, we're from New Mexico. Breaking Bad. Like, everyone would say that. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. They probably think it's such like a right. giant meth town. Which it is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I love it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a beautiful meth town. Right. No, I mean. But I get yeah. what you're saying. Like, every city has that. Um, but, yeah, for whatever reason, I specifically was hearing stuff about Albuquerque. But right. you're right. Like, I remember going to the wedding from some people that went were worried mm. about the violence in Mexico. And it's mm. for sure a real thing. And Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, like social media, they'll catch on to what you're doing. I was researching a lot of stuff in Mexico because that's where we're having the wedding. Mm -hmm. And they would just show me like news stories, like shooting at resort in Mexico. Right. My phone would just start doing that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I remember at first kind of freaking out a little bit too. And then I started thinking like, I wonder what they think about us. Mm -hmm. And like, if they saw the Vegas shooting, right. Which I'm sure the whole world did. They'd be like, Oh my God, those Americans are psychotic. Like they all have guns and they're just shooting each other. Mm -hmm. And so I, it go, going going to your point, true. yeah. We, that, I mean, that did happen. Yeah. I mean, the Pulse nightclub one. We had the right. Aurora shootings. There was like a. Seems like they were shooting all the time for like two years straight. 
And it's like, so then that actually brought me peace. I know it sounds bad, but it made me think of like, all right, they're showing me this crazy stuff in Mexico, but the, this crazy stuff happens here. It's mm -hmm. all about like, you can't live your life that way. So yeah. I get it being like a little reserved or cautious, but I, you run risks. You don't yeah. think people die in the, the nice areas too, like it, less yeah. often, but it yeah. happens. And if you spent your whole life, like more people die in car accidents, you're just not going to drive places, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a hard one, but I think, uh, yeah, you kind of got to get out there and live that life. I think so. Live that life. Take some <laughs> shots, man. Have you ever been, have you ever been shot at? Have I ever been shot at? Yeah. No, have I don't even think someone shoot. I don't even think I've seen that. Like, <laughs> like honestly, have you been, I've shooting? never been to like a shooting range nope. or like, I've never really been. It sounds different than the movies. Yeah. It sounds like, well, depending on what they're shooting, of course. But sure. I remember the first time hearing gunshots, it was like, I just stood there, which is usually what people right. do because you don't think it's gunshots. It sounds like two boards clapping together. Mm -hmm depending on what it is. Yeah. And then I was just like my, I was, I was with some friends the first time and they all jumped to the ground and I was just like, what is going They're like, get down. Like, You're like, is someone tap dancing? Yeah. You're just it, your brain just goes yeah. to everything except for gunshots. Right. And then afterwards I remember thinking like, you idiot, why would you just stand there? But I think it's like human nature to do that. You freeze a little bit. Yeah. I would say that I probably have heard them just because I do live in Albuquerque in the middle of the You're city. Awesome. So it's crazy. I do hear like what I think are gunshots sometimes at night and, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, is it the 4th of July? Or like, you know, like yeah, your brain does kind of like just like, yeah, thinks of what else it could be. But there's definitely been some times where I'm like, yeah, that's definitely seems like a gunshot. I always listen to these. Uh, Laura always makes fun of me, but I'm like, addicted to like murder stories, like stories about like. Murders. Yeah, like true crime. True, A lot of true mm -hmm. crime. Like a, a lot. I like the ones where they have the interrogations mm. uh, where they show like the actual yeah. like like police ones, but I always hear ones where like they get neighbor, like the witnesses from neighbors and they're like, I heard three guns. They're always specific. I heard pow, pow, pow. And then 20 seconds later, pow. And I'm like, they're like four shots. And I'm always thinking like, I don't even like know if I would register, like how you said, yeah. if my neighbor was getting shot, I might be like, Oh, he's, like the kids are blowing up fireworks. Like, I don't even know that I would know. Right. But for whatever reason in those shows, they always know. Yeah. And I don't know. Like, I feel like if, uh, came to my house and like did you hear gunshots last night i'd be like you're right no snitch get yeah, out of your page no. yeah. <laughs> just get stitches first of all yeah i don't know i don't know how i would feel i i do think it'd be cool to be in a jury like have you ever yeah. done that i got like called for jury duty but they actually like didn't need me when i what did when you do wrong me. well no like you know it was the did same you interview it was during covid so i think they were like having this precaution of like oh. you'd have to call in the morning just like to make screen. sure they actually had like a court hearing that required a jury got you and so like that they, they didn't have any like, so you got a letter saying they picked you and then they pretty much just said never mind yeah exactly because some people get interviewed like have you seen right. the process like they want they pick the jury yeah i think one side picks like a couple and they pick the other side or i don't know right um but yeah i, I would i would be okay with just being interviewed like just to see if i've made the cut yeah <laughs> a part of me was like oh this is kind of fun like the idea of going in there and like yeah. getting interviewed and all that but Ultimately I, was, ultimately, I was kind of glad that I didn't really have to do it. Yeah, I kind of would want to do it because first of all, your work pays you like you, you get like time off from that. Mm -hmm. And then, see, what I would hate is if it was like some stupid crime and it was like someone like that went to trial because you can right. do you have the right to a trial for that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was like shoplifting some Skittles or something. I'd yeah. be like, like, how many Skittles were there? I'd be like, oh, this is stupid, man. Like, right. I, I would hope that it's like a murder or like embezzlement. <laughs> You're like, I really want that because <laughs> I like I like the shows. I would get all into it. Sure. Like, like, I would be like, what do you have to say to that, Karen? Like, I just really, like, I would be all into it. Yeah. For sure. And then I think it's like two weeks usually. 
Mm-hmm. In the movies, they always make it seem like it's, uh, or documentaries, like it's a long time. Right. But usually it's, it's pretty quick. I can do that. Two weeks of trying to solve a crime. Yeah, that sounds, sounds doable. It's like one of my, on my list now. So the government's listening to this. I'm very selective. I'm selectable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Watch, you're going to get a letter next week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're like, we heard your story and we'd like to invite you down for our right. first murder trial. Oh, I feel bad. There was a murder on Deming like yesterday or something. I was reading the story today. Oh, wow. It was a 14 year old kid that oh. got killed by a 16 and an 18 year old kid. Shot and stabbed. And I don't know the full story yet, but apparently both the kids turned themselves in. Um, It is dark, huh? Like shot and stabbed. I hope their families are okay. Yeah. I hope so too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There's some wild stuff. If you, uh, is there like a dream job? What's the best way to word this? Have you ever thought maybe it's something that you have no skills at? You're like, there's no reason why I would ever do this. Yeah. But is there anything you ever wanted to do, whether it was younger or now or in between? Where you're like, that'd be like something cool I'd want to do. I just don't have the skill for it or like, mm-hmm. just not me. Well, I think when I was younger, I did think about like being a detective. Really? Like a little was kid. there like a movie or a show that like inspired you to want to do that? I feel like just like, like Batman. Like, <laughs> mostly. He's not a detective. Like, I mean, he kind of is. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Yeah. He, I don't think he has like he a He works lab. with, you know, Commissioner Gordon or whatever. That's true. And he's the detective. But yeah, I guess. That's kind of where I maybe got that idea from. Yeah. But that's like when I was like, you know, like a little, little kid. I feel like that's a fun thing to want to be when you're younger. Yeah. Until you realize like all the work that goes into it. Right. And like liability. But I, yeah. the detective was one for me, for sure. Yeah. I always thought that would be a, I'm trying to think of some other ones. That was a big one. Um, yeah. Never wanted to be a firefighter. I know that was a popular one. It wasn't me. I wasn't about that. I wanted to be a doctor. Like really? in high school. That's kind of like what I thought I was going to do. And then I took this like pre-med class that was offered like through this like special high school my mm-hmm. senior year and I didn't like it at all what did you not like about it after like a week I don't know it just like became really real all of a sudden <laughs> like I have to learn like was there the something heart. in the class that you're like nah I can't do it. I don't know it just felt like a lot I think part of it like was kind of you know me being a teenager and like do I really want to go like out of my way to take this class in another high school like every day um, yeah. and so I, I kind of just like decided against it. And over time I realized like, I don't know if I really want to use my skill set in that way. Like, I think I knew that I wanted to like help people and like, that's mm-hmm. kind of like what drew me towards that profession. But then once I kind of like got into the nitty gritty of learning the human body and like anatomy and stuff, I was like, ah, oh, this isn't You're really right. I can't just pick my patients. No, right. I don't do stabbings. Right. Like I only do like. <laughs> Paper cuts. Depression? Yeah. I do depression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Paper cuts and depression. That's it. Where, with the pre-med class, was it like, what kind of doctor? Like just all, yeah, I don't it, know how doctors It was work. basically like an anatomy class, I guess. Would so you would just learn like it. the parts of the body and how it works. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's so much responsibility mm-hmm. that you would have to do. Because not only is going, being a doctor a lot of school, mm-hmm. I feel like you would also have to work under someone else for a long time too. Cause it's not mm-hmm. like when you're done, you're just a doctor now. Right. You still would need to like be like an assistant doctor or something. What is that even called? Like a physician's assistant like, or something. That sounds yeah. way cooler than what I said. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm an assistant doctor. Right. Uh, substitute doctor. I'm, I'm a little baby doctor. <laughs> your doctor is hungover, So I'm Will and I'll be here to perform your heart surgery. <laughs> right. Exactly. That would have been me. Yeah. I think the time commitment was definitely part of it too. I was like, really? do I really want to be in school for like nine years? years or something? Yeah. Right? yeah. And then I ended up doing that anyway for my, you're, uh, <laughs> you're so, so definitely I could have been a doctor right. by that. 
<laughs> Pretty much. I think about that. But no, I think this was the right path. You think so? For sure. Do yeah. you have any regrets about not doing that? Not at all. Yeah. yeah. And at that time, like that was before like my party days either too. So I knew I was sober. Like I made that choice with yeah. like a clear mind. Like I knew I didn't want to be a doctor. I see what you're saying. So like, yeah, I think that was the right choice for sure. And um, I think what I'm doing now, like feels good to me. So what are you doing now? Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So um, I've been interning as um, a counselor for uh, this place called Emoja. And mm-hmm. um, it's been a really good experience. Like I think counseling is something that I've always kind of been drawn to, but I didn't know like if I was going to like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so having this internship has been really cool. And um, it's a part of my master's of social work program. So um, that's kind of like what I've been doing for the past year. And is it like one-on-one counseling? Is it? Yeah. So I, I've had some individual clients and then there's like been group, a group that I helped um, co-facilitate mm-hmm. um, for trans and non-binary people. And so like, that's been a really, that's actually been like a really rewarding experience. Really? For me, I was going to ask that. Yeah. What's um, like a group setting. That's gotta be way different than a one-on-one setting. And it's interesting too, cause it's all virtual. So this, Agency right now is operating through telehealth pretty much exclusively. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like it, it was a virtual therapy group, um, which I think was actually really good in the sense that it allowed people from all over the state to join it, um, especially in like pockets of the states that like may not be as like LGBTQ friendly and like may not have those types of services. Yeah. Um, so that's, that was cool. Like to see everyone kind of come together in that. Was everyone participating? Participative, participative. It was a beautiful group. Yeah. yeah. Am I saying that right? Participative. Participative. I think we're kind of making up a word. I here. think we are. We're, did everyone participate? They all participate. <laughs> just say participate. No, I'm just kidding. Sometimes um, my brain does that. But yeah, so they all yeah. like, was there anyone that you like spotted and you're like, I'm going to have to like do something to engage them? No, I mean, definitely like, you know, everyone has their own personality and some yeah. people are a little more outspoken than others, but mm-hmm. I think that um, in general, like the group was really good at giving everyone space to talk. And I think even those who are a little more shy, like kind of felt comfortable enough to talk. And so that mm-hmm. felt good. And over time it was cool. Cause it was a closed group. So like you were able to work with the same people throughout the whole time. I see what you're saying. That was going to be my next question. So you'll have the same group of people the next time you go in. Exactly. Cause I bet it'd be hard to, introduce new people to an existing group right it's got to be yeah and that felt a little daunting just as like a student Mm -hmm. like i think that that model can definitely be helpful for people especially because like new people can join as it goes on um but i think for what we were doing it felt like a better idea just to keep it closed especially because it was virtual so like kind of is harder to make that connection online in like one session and do people really open up in a group setting or is that not even the point like what I think it is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they honestly, like it made my life really easy. And my really? co-facilitators um, also felt the same way. Like the, the group members were very like open and willing to put in that work and effort yeah. on their end. So like, yeah, that was really. Good. I feel like I'd have a tough time. Maybe I, I would do okay in a group setting. I'll talk a lot. But mm-hmm. I don't think I would talk like, cause you just don't know. I guess like if you, if someone like you is doing a good job of like, Mm-hmm. making sure everyone speaks and gets to know each other before. Maybe I would eventually. Mm-hmm. I, um, you know what I don't do good at? Maybe you can tell me why, what you think, but I, um, I, I like people's stories. Right. And mm-hmm. so I love a good story, like, especially someone that overcame something 
And so we had like a summit recently for peer support and it was a bunch of people telling their stories. There's some great stories, by the way, mm. but something that bothers me or like, I don't know why I don't even actively do it is a story that doesn't have like a good ending, like a, mm. or, or like it doesn't even have to be a good ending. Like right. some like positivity, like sure. life gets better eventually. Mm-hmm. And there were some stories that just got worse. And uh, it was like, and then I woke up and my life was changed and right. then I was sad. And then I went to the store and I realized the store made me sadder. And then I drove home and my car ran out of gas. And, right. and then I got there and my dog was gone. He ran away. They took my children away. Yeah. Have a good day, guys. Like it was like, and I'm making that up. No one said that, right. but it, it was like that. And I'm like, I feel worse at the end of your story than I did at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, you got to wrap it up at the end with something like, and then I realized I could make it. Like, I don't yeah. know. I hate when people tell me a story and then they don't like, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Or even like in a counseling situation where it would be like, uh, I don't mind that as much because it's a conversation, but right. someone that's like, no matter what advice you give them, like I have friends like this sometimes mm-hmm. where it's like, I suck. I'm like, well, maybe you could try this. Mm-hmm. Why well, try that? It doesn't work. What if you go here? Like, nah, it doesn't work. Like, have you tried talking to your mom? Uh, she doesn't, I don't get along with her. Yeah. You gotta be someone. There's no one. And it's like, all right, what am I doing here? Like, <laughs> right. I get all frustrated. It's hard. I mean, I think that it definitely depends on the context. So like, I think that that can be really like hard in a work setting. Like, it sounds like that was just work. Well, the point event, of that yeah. setting was to inspire hope. That's literally uh, like the okay. motto. Yeah. And so that's why that was weird. I'm like, yeah. like people here that are going through something, they right. want to relate to you and then, feel hopeful at the end. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm like, there's no hope at the end. <laughs> like right. if, if I was currently going through something and I heard some of the stories, I think I would feel a little worse. Got it. And so, you're like peer support workers. So yes, you're I'm trying like, to like, yeah, you have to inspire a little bit right. at the end or find a way or, or that's okay. If it's maybe that's just not the story you tell. Like if, it's, right. if you're not there yet, like you gotta, or don't tell a story at all or pick one where there is hope because it's, it's rough. I know the reason why is I know what it's like to be suicidal in a really bad spot. Right. And, and uh, not that you want someone just kind of pick you up the whole time, mm-hmm. but when someone's telling a story that's like just as bad, but the, and then it just ends, you're like, Oh my God, like we suck together now. Like that's yeah. how it feels. But when someone tells a story, maybe just as bad or worse or relatable. And then there's something at the end. Yeah. Like you go like, Oh, like thanks for telling me that you didn't have to tell me that. And then you feel a little better, even if you don't know, like mm-hmm. you pick up on it. And so that's why I was like lacking a little bit. But then I also thought like, maybe that's something with just me. Like maybe I don't do well with like. Well, and I mean, I think it's good to be mindful of that. Like in a therapy group, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's going to be times where people share things that are kind of dark and like, it may not have a hopeful twist to it or like, you know, it's not going to be, it's their story. So like they get to say what they want yeah. about that. But yeah, I think that in group, you, as the facilitator, you have to be mindful of like, re-traumatizing like the other group members like kind of what you're saying like Mm -hmm. if if you know that they're all here for a specific reason and they all struggle with certain things you know you want to give everyone the space to say what they want to say about their story Mm -hmm. um and then you know see how they the group members like respond to that and then if it gets to a place maybe where it doesn't feel like you know the vibe is where -hmm. it should be you know you can kind of step in and maybe like offer some insight you know as a clinician in that type of setting how involved are you in a group setting on a personal level like is your do you ever is there ever a time where you go will you tell a story as well or is it always you guiding them well yeah i think um i'm definitely not an expert by any means like so yeah but i think that for me because it was a trans and non-binary group Mm -hmm. i'm not trans i mean I'm, i'm gay so like i can kind of relate to some 
aspects of that, but mm-hmm. I, you know, I definitely acknowledged from the jump, like this is not my lived experience. And so I think that for me, I felt like it was important for the group members to really like take ownership and leadership of like the own, the group topics and like, um, allow them to ask questions to each other, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, and you know, I definitely stepped in like when it felt appropriate, but I didn't necessarily like self-disclose a whole lot. Um, cause it just felt like that wasn't really like the purpose of like relevant. Group. Yeah. Yeah. If it ever became relevant or someone asked you, like, would you join the conversation? I guess. I, don't, sure, yeah. okay. I always wonder about that. Cause I know that like there's weird rules in counseling too, where like sometimes they don't want you to do that at all. And sometimes they like, you know, encourage you to, and, and so I would I say, yeah. I mean, something that I think is, it depends on like the client and, and kind of like the counselor, you know, like I think some counselors have that really strict boundary. And like, I think that that works too, you know, cause you definitely don't want to make the session about you or make the client feel like you're yes. like going too much into your own. They're like, are stuff. you okay? Right? I'm like, <laughs> but I think that it can also be something that can be used in moderation for like rapport building, especially mm-hmm. like working in a community that like you kind of are a part of, yeah. like you can sometimes say like, I can relate to some of that, you know, and that can sometimes be comforting in its own way. So as long as it's like relevant, right. As long right. as it's appropriate and relevant to like the situation, it would be okay. That makes sense to me. Cause no one wants to, I've had some counselors that just, they're very like almost like digital or like by the book. Yeah. And it's like, there's no human connection at all. And it's exactly. like, I get that it's not about you, like to this person I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to like, show me something here. Like right. I, sometimes I, I would talk and I would be like, do they even know? They would just, mm, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you writing a book? Are you drawing a stick picture? Like, what mm-hmm. are you doing over there? But the human interaction is, and I learned that through selling cars, right? Because mm-hmm. people would just come in and they would, if I went to sell someone like, hi, like blue cars or red cars, big cars, small cars, they'd be like, they don't know me. They're just going to lie to me. But if right. I, hey, how's it going guys? What brings you into there? Is this your kid? What's your name? You guys want something to drink? What yeah. brings you guys in today? You know, like you guys hear it's Mother's Day weekend. Like, did you guys celebrate? Right. After you do all that, you know, well, I'm Will, this is where I'm blah, blah. And then, hey, what kind of cars can I show you guys here? What do you came in? Like, mm-hmm. and so you learn that and you'll see a take that extra two to five minutes mm-hmm. and you make your own life easier. And I think you can take that to right. counseling to anything in life. I use it in my job now, which I don't sell cars, but when I meet people, I don't even, I call it earning the right. You have to earn the right to open your laptop. And we don't, uh, we don't go into the field as much anymore because of COVID. Mm-hmm. But um, when I first started my job, I was trained by a person who taught me that. Yeah. And then that person moved to a different job. And then I worked with someone else who didn't do that. Um. And they would just sit down and like open their laptop and log in. Like, excuse me one notes. second. Yeah. yeah. Not even note or just doing the VPN stuff. And uh, the person's just sitting there and it's very, and it feels weird. Wow. And so, and I never remember that first girl that showed me that she literally wouldn't even, t- she'd put her bag down. She's like, how's mm-hmm. it going, Sarah or Cindy or whoever it was, uh, Steve, Brad, throwing some male names there just in case. <laughs> yeah. And they would talk and she would, after that, she would get to know why I'm so-and-so from here. Um, like, how's your feeling? Do you need, can I get you anything? Like, we're good. Hey, I want to explain to you why I'm here today. And right. All right. Hey, I'm going to open up my laptop and get logged in here so we can Mm -hmm. knock out everything we have to do. Um, and then I want to spend some more time getting to know you. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. And then she would pull out and I thought like, wow. And then not only was that helpful for the person, but she's probably getting more accurate information, which is what we need. Mm -hmm. Like if I don't trust you, I'm not telling like, do you have any underlying conditions? No, I'm good. Like, I wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like that's how I'd be. So it's like, yeah, like building rapport. So I always think of it like that, like earning the right to open your laptop or whatever, whatever yeah. that pertains to in your field. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's super important on that human connection. It's like disclosure sure. information. I always think of the people that use that for bad stuff, like manipulators. 
Right. That's really what they do. They're gathering mm-hmm. info to use against you. Right. Have you seen any of those Netflix documentaries like the the Tender Swindler? I haven't. No. I like, yeah, I know that. Um, what's her name? Like the one that pretended like she was rich for a long time. And oh, then, the Anna Delvey yeah, one. I yeah. heard about that. That one. That was a biopic, so it wasn't a documentary. Oh, okay. But Got yeah, it. based off a true story. I'm sure there is a documentary on it. Yeah. But yeah, that's another one. She was like conning people. Right. There's one called The Bad Vegan. Um, that's really good uh, mm-hmm. about a, a a restaurant in New York. And then the tender swindler might be the greatest one because it was like he was Ponzi scheming women. Wow. And it was wild. And I mean, the greatest, like intriguing. That's terrible. You shouldn't right. do that. But he was finding women on Tinder, dating them, convincing them that he was a diamond prince from like Arabia or something. Oh, no. And then uh, and they would believe him because he had a private jet. And it turns out he would. And then he would eventually ask them for money. Like, I'll pay you back. My enemies are trying to get me. They shut down my cards. Wow. And he would get thousand, like 50, 60, 70, all the way up to a hundred thousand dollars. And he would use that money from one girl to start swindling the next girl. So he was like wow. Ponzi scheming these women. And the next girl would believe he was a prince because he had the money from the previous girl to get these things. That's and wild. it's wild. You should watch it. Yeah. It, it just makes me realize like, God, this, this guy applied his like, mentality to something positive like he he'd be a millionaire legitly and not swindling people yeah that's kind of how i feel about my sign like cancer oh really astrology. are you guys known to like <laughs> to be manipulative people? oh yeah. really yeah i mean that's what they say is like you know the bad side i mean it's astrology yeah but like i think there's yeah a fine line between being like compassionate and then the kind of that bleeding into manipulative i guess in a way like do you ever find traits of that like in yourself I mean, I think it's good to be self-reflective. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not asking you to like rat yourself out. I don't think that, I mean, honestly, you know, there's definitely people out there who like deliberately con people or like are manip- manipulative in that way. Yeah. But I do think that there's also this kind of thing where sometimes like you don't mean to be manip- manipulative and like it comes off that that's way what or I another meant. person feels Do you ever think like, way. oh my God, that's the cancer side of me coming out of it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's funny because like, you know, Cancers always like kind of get a bad rap in that way about it. Yeah. Um, and I hope I'm not like that, you know, to people, but I can definitely, you know, kind of see parts of me that like could go into that territory. And I don't think I it's try, a bad thing. Yeah. I try not to do that, obviously. <laughs> probably because you're aware that you know where it could go is probably why you never would. Right. But I know, I don't know anything about Capricorns or signs or anything, mm-hmm. but I know that I, and this goes with most people that are social comedic in nature and like to tell stories a lot. I never do this on purpose, mm-hmm. but for comedic reasons, I do it way less now, but like you would like embellish a story a little bit sure. like where mm-hmm. and it's the same story. Like, but you just kind of add more like onomatopoeias and adjectives yeah. and like sound effects to it. And then it becomes this story and it's not meant to be manipulative or even lie, um, right. but it just makes the story better. And I yeah. used to do it a lot when I was younger. And then now that I'm older, I do it way less, but I'll catch you on catch to it. it. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I made that kind of cool story a really yeah. cool story by adding in or exaggerating like certain little things i mean that's its own skill though like you're a good storyteller so that is true <laughs> see yeah <laughs> i mean like i think anything is a double-edged sword if you like think about very it. very true um mm. so it's just good to center yourself and like you know remind yourself of i guess like the good intentions there and stuff yeah if yeah. it's like a funny harmless fun. story yeah. but I guess it could be used for bad right that's right. how the tender swindler got started my right. enemies are trying to murder me so it, you're, you're right it could easily become something like that but um, it's a good skill to have for sure I right. can definitely entertain a room or, or uh, I do good in interviews that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks man yeah. <laughs>
I, I don't always think I am, but I, I um, like looking back in life and moments. I'm like, yeah, I guess I always, I always think back to um, like, that was kind of what I had when I was younger, like being comedic. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't feel like I was a skinny kid. I was the whitest kid in a state where most people are Hispanic. You know what I mean? Right. And so I was like, I didn't really fit in with a lot of different things. I wasn't super athletic in middle school and, and elementary, but I could make some people laugh. And right. I was like, all right, I'm going to stick with this. And I just ran with it. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of personality is based off of like, you know, childhood and like what yeah. you feel like you were good at. Like, I think that is really important to your mind as a kid. Like, what am I going to be able to do to get love or like, you know, attention whatever or whatever yeah. it is. And so um, that makes sense. And I mean, like, it's definitely a really shining quality in you. So thank you. <laughs> I polish it. Yeah, it's been polished, <laughs> refined. Yeah. I feel like if I, uh, I, I, I was telling someone recently, I've never lived alone in my life. Like yeah. ever. Like I've never lived, like Word. I've been in group homes with other kids. I've been mm-hmm. in jail with other kids because it was a juvenile jail. I've been in an adult jail too. That was for a ticket. But I've lived, I've always had roommates. I've always yeah. lived with people I've dated. I've been in foster homes and mm-hmm. I lived in my biological home with tons of siblings. I've never been alone. And so I think if I ever had to, I would lose my mind. I don't think I meant really some people yeah. prefer like their own space and to have their own. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I could do it. I mean, I think everyone's different. I mean, as like people or humans, like we're kind of conditioned to want to be around other people. Yeah. So like that makes sense. Um, I'm definitely not like that though. So do you, do you find yourself wanting to be alone sometimes? Well, I mean, I don't think it's ever this like insane craving to be alone, but like I do live alone right now. Yeah. And, um, it's been about two years, like basically since pandemic happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I like it. Or I mean, like, it's not this thing where like, I don't ever feel like I'm alone, I guess. Or, do you ever like, talk lonely. to yourself? I don't actually. Do you ever want to? No. Sometimes <laughs> I sing to myself. Sometimes I sing, but um, I don't, I've never been like a person who talks out loud to myself. Really. I do. I talk out loud to myself. That's I do funny. it with Laura here sometimes. Yeah, I sing dumb songs that make no goddamn sense. I'll take a regular song and then shove like cuss words and sexual lingo into it and then just walk around singing it. Yeah. So, sometimes I forget I do that mm-hmm. and I'll do it in public. Like I'll go to Walmart and I'm shopping and I'm singing like mm-hmm. some like dirty song and I look around and everyone's just, just like staring a little at kid, me. Like, and I don't even know I'm doing it. Yeah. yeah. But I do. I, I talk to myself sometimes. I laugh at movies by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, Like no one's around. I'd like, ah, I'll bust out laughing. Like for, I don't care. Yeah. So I, I, I think that I'd be terrible if I lived on my own. I think I would go crazy or I would just never be there. I would just always be at people's houses. Well, and like, I think it's good to know that about yourself. Like you want to be around community or people. And so like, that's, everyone's different as far as like the level of extrovertedness, mm-hmm. introvertedness that they have. Does it make sense? Yeah. yeah. What about growing up for you? Do you remember being introverted or extroverted more? Like in general, I know that you probably had both. But. Yeah, definitely introverted, I guess. And I think part of it too, now that I'm like reflecting on my mm-hmm. life, like getting all deep. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess, you know, I grew up here until mm-hmm. I was about eight and all my siblings are quite a bit older than me. Like Laura's the closest. She's eight years older than me. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, once we lived in Montana and it was mainly just me and my parents, like it almost felt like an only child situation to an extent because um, my older siblings are still here. We were in Montana. So I guess in a way, like maybe that's kind of where some of that comes from or like the comfort of having my own space and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It probably would have been different or might've been a little different if I was closer. In or age. Had, yeah. Closer in age siblings. I don't know if it would have though. I get what you're saying though. I guess that's, that. that's like a big part of it. 
Yeah. But I, I'm trying to think of like some introverted people that I know. And some of them like are really close to their siblings and they're closer in age too. Mm. But I get what you're saying. Maybe that would have changed it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm like extremely introverted. No, but like I think that I lean that way for sure. Yeah. You do well in conversations. It's weird, weird yeah. how that happens. So what would you call or what would be a better label for someone that's like extremely introverted? Like they can't even like. I mean, I would say that's still an introvert. I mean, it's all like a continuum or a spectrum true. or whatever. And I think it can be situational. Like, I think I'm very outgoing when it's around people I know in like smaller settings or family, of course. So like, I think that that is a space where I feel really comfortable. <laughs> like, you know, mm -hmm. but if it's a big party or if it's your wedding, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, uh, like even there, like, it's not that I feel shy, but it's just kind of like, I do feel a little more subdued, I guess, in some ways. Subdued? Yeah. <laughs> Great adjective. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, I like 10% like less meat. No, just <laughs> <laughs> No, I get what you're saying. It's a, uh, I, I have some friend, not friend. I'm thinking of one specific friend and I won't put them on blast, but like where their social cues are a little off. Mm. Like it's kind of weird because this person is very social, but just doesn't always get like grasp like basic concepts like certain mm. humors or responses like you could say something and they just would stare at you and not say anything back mm. um, and I always wonder like what that is but the person's super social like wants to be there wants to be in the group is laughing participating yeah but doesn't always catch things I think do you think that's more of like a the, maybe something they've been through in life I mean yeah it could be like maybe even a neurodivergence like I'm not trying oh, to that's no diagnose. I get what you're saying yeah. through this I'll, I'll let them know story yeah <laughs> here comes the neurodivergent <laughs> no the but I mean like yeah like there's neurodiversity in the world and like there's people who just process social views differently yeah yeah, yeah it is I, I would want to do a class on that I think like yeah what the brain does and why it does it right because I always think I'm good but then I think like what if I'm not like to certain people because everyone has their own group and their own social stuff like I bet if we yeah. hung out with a bunch of people from Pennsylvania they might think I'm a little weird Sure. Or something, right? And I'm, that's in the U.S. For sure, outside the U.S., there would be issues, right? Yeah. But even sometimes here, like, I feel like different groups are, are different. I'm like, maybe to them, like, I'm weird. Maybe I'm too touchy or, like, I don't right. have the same boundaries or something. Culturally, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of differences between you and, like, someone from rural England or something like rural that. Rural England. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I definitely want to travel more now that I have a passport. But And then running into the people that we met at the wedding makes me realize like how diverse the world is. Mm -hmm. And there's so many different people. Like it, it's crazy. I have some friends that will complain about relationships. Like I, I, no one wants to be with me or no one cares about me. Oh, they'll get hung up on one person. Like, why don't they like me? And I'm like, dude, I know it's hard to see this. <laughs> right. Start traveling. And the world is full of people. The, the concept of getting crazy hung up on one kind of thing. It, it's, it's weird to me. Um, in a negative way, in a positive way, if you, if you click with someone like the way me and Laura did for sure. Right. But I like, I don't, I don't ever understand it when people say like, uh, nobody wants to date me. I'm like, you mean nobody that goes to the same places you always go to want to date you? Why don't you try something new, join a new sport, join a new club, travel somewhere. Right. Like you'll be surprised like the amount of people you'll meet. Mm -hmm. And if you take a genuine interest in people, like mm -hmm. they usually take one back. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something I'm learning too. Like as I'm getting older, mm -hmm. you know, cause I think when you transition from like being in high school to like college, even like it's harder to make friends. It's harder to like really put yourself out there. Cause you're not yeah. like seeing the same people 24 seven every day of the week type of thing. So yeah, I think it becomes more of a like need for you to like kind of put yourself in spaces where you might meet people who have the same 
interests or like things like that. Like, and I've not, I've not mastered that by any means. But no, like, you're saying like you're aware of it. Yeah. Like I'm aware that like, yeah, it's, it's not going to be easy to make friends if like you're just kind of doing the same things that you always do. And you'll, you'll make me, yeah. similar kind of friends. <laughs> right. See, I guess like I'll clarify that if you're enjoying where you're at, then that's fine. Right. But it's the people that are complaining about it. Right. It's like, well, you're doing, what have you done differently? Nothing. Or they'll try to tell you something like I went to a different bar. <laughs> have you yeah. tried not a bar? You know what I mean? Or something like mm-hmm. that. But if you're, if it's working for you, it's fine. But sure. I just don't like, uh, what's, what's a better way to put this? I always, if I'm not a manager, but if I ever became a manager, mm-hmm. this is something I do as an employee is if I bring to you a problem or if I'm complaining, let's say I'm not even bringing it to you. I just want to complain about it. Mm-hmm. I think you should have at least two solutions, even if they suck. So mm-hmm. if I'm ever put in a managerial spot, I would, that would be something I told people like, Hey, like before you come to me and tell me you right. can't get this program to work. Can you at least tell me two things you did to try to get it to work? Even if they're dumb, I just want to know that you actually put an effort in because right. some people will rely on the ability to ask and mm-hmm. that's fine. But like, you kind of have to take an initiative and like try to figure some stuff out. Mm-hmm. And when people complain a lot and kind of like what I was telling you earlier, like, Oh, well, no one likes me. Well, have you tried this? Nah, I can't go there. Well, Oh, and my car's broke. Have you tried to fix it? No money. Have you tried yeah. to get a new job? No car to get to the new job. Like, why am I even giving you ideas? You're just going to shoot them all down. Mm-hmm. And I hate that. So I think that people should try to switch that mentality into like how, um, if I have a problem before I complain about it, which I don't think you should, but mm-hmm. if you're going to like, what are two potential solutions? Yeah. I, I think that like, that could definitely help like people kind of developing that skill of like being self-starting or like mm-hmm. problem solving. Um, yeah. And I, I think that like there's a lot of things that go into it too. Like there could be like depressive factors going in. There could be like, they may not just be at that place yet, but they might be, you know, later on. But yeah, I, I can definitely see a frustration. So let me there. give you an example. Cause I get what you're saying. Let's say you're my manager. Right. And, and there's two different versions of me as an employee. Mm-hmm. One is I go to you like, Dan, I don't know how to get my email to work. Right. And right. May, maybe at first you help me if I'm the new sure. guy. And the next day I'm like, Hey Dan, like, I don't know how to like send this properly. Can you help me? Right. Hey, what's this template for this note for? Like eventually yeah. you're like, are you, you know, that's one employee, right? Right. Or how about this one? It's day two. Mm-hmm. And I come to you and I'm like, Hey Dan, I, I, uh, I can't get my outlook to work. Right. I hit start and search there. It won't pop up. And I went on the icons where they normally are. And it's not there either. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really sure how to pull it up. Aren't you more likely to even want to help me? Cause you're like, Oh, like he clearly like put he in an effort to here. do something. Yeah. yeah. It, that, that's all I'm saying is the energy behind right. it. And it helps you, the person asking for help too, because the other person is probably managing 20 people sure. and it helps the burnout rate. They're like, all right, I'm investing my time into this person knowing mm-hmm. that they showing that there would be an effort there. So sure. chances are I probably won't have to do this again. I can trust that they only asking me because they really couldn't figure it out. Right. Like, I don't know. That's the two scenarios I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. Uh, definitely from like a management or like work perspective, like that makes hundred percent sense. And I, my example was from a work perspective, mm-hmm. but even from friends, like, like it's just, I don't, and again, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to complain because you're right. Like there's all these different factors, but I mean, at some point, how good of a friend are you? If you just let your friends complain all the time, like you got to yeah. sometimes tell them like, Hey man, what are you doing? Well, it's good to keep it real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when keeping it real goes wrong. Exactly. I, I try to do that, but in a lovely way, like I never want to be an yeah. asshole, but I, if I'm, if they're like just a friend or an acquaintance, I won't mm-hmm. ever do that really. But right. if it's a close friend, like I don't mind telling me, like, Hey man, this might be you. Like, yeah. have you thought about this? Like, because I would want someone to do that for me. That's sure. Why. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. I think that that's an important thing to do as a friend, like yeah. just being a good friend. 
Do you think you're a good friend? No. If I interviewed two of your friends, do you think they would say he's a good friend? Maybe. If I, I, I could like pick them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if I could pick them? No. <laughs> you're right. Scoot over him so he's out. Right. <laughs> like, let me make a list. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think so. I, I think it's um something that I try to be for sure. Yeah. Check in and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a weird thing to like, I try to be a good friend, but it, it goes back to what we we're talking about earlier, like the need to fit in and socially like, mm-hmm. you know, your life's going to be hell if you can't like relate or like, right. Can't even sit down with a group of people without being the, the glowing spot that everyone needs to address. Like, I right. feel like that would impede on, on your life a little bit, but mm. I, uh, I really do get nervous with like, uh, like the way technology is going. I'm going to sound like it. He's an old geezer. <laughs> Like, I love technology. <laughs> I use it all the time, right. but I really do get worried socially with the new generation of people, mm-hmm. how easy it is to just like talk to someone online to the point where like, I've seen stories where it's right. like when they meet in person, they don't even know. Mm-hmm. I saw one and it was a murder one. So I won't give you the end of it, but it was about um, teens. And I think they were like 15 or 16 mm-hmm. that met on MySpace when that was popular and dated for like a year on MySpace. Yeah. And then the parents of the girl, um, decided like, yeah, like have him, he wanted to, they wanted to go to the same concert. They were in like heavy metal and it mm-hmm. was in the girl's town. Yeah. So she, the parents like, yeah, have him come. We'll meet him and he could stay here at the house. Oh no. And it was a year of them. Like, I love you, baby. I missed you. You're the greatest in the world. Kind of like catfish, but yeah. like, and then, um, only he wasn't catfishing anyone, but it was that. And I guess when he got there, the girl realized like, he's not at all like how he was online. He was socially awkward. He was allowed to be a different person online. Mm-hmm. So when he got there, um, she didn't like him. They go to the concert and uh, she ends up talking to a different guy because she oh, realizes no. this guy's weird. Talks yeah. to a different guy, gets a number. He finds out about it, kills her and the whole family. Wow. <laughs> that's <laughs> and intense. I'll spare you the details yeah. at the end. But it, that's what I'm talking about. It's like, obviously, that's an extreme version, mm-hmm. but you really can just be someone different. And I'm, I get worried. At least our generation was a mix. It started coming out, but then yeah. you'd be forced to see him at school or somewhere like that. But nowadays I think it could be purely online. And I think it, it will inhibit people's social skills. Like when they get into the workforce or anything like that. Yeah, I could see that. I do think that like to an extent, maybe it's better that like kids these days are kind of growing up already, like mindful of that, or like the parents are mindful of that. Like I think mm-hmm. our generation and like maybe a little bit older than me, no offense, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, like our parents didn't really know like what the internet was possible on the internet. Yeah. Whereas like, I think the generation that's being raised now, like I think there's kind of more awareness of like, that's interesting. I never what, thought of it like that. Like they're more savvy, like the parents and the kids like are more aware of probably like those pitfalls. But I see what you're saying in general. Like I think that like people socializing is kind of evolving the way that we do that. And, Mm-hmm. I think these like parasocial relationships we have online sometimes are a little bit unhealthy depending on like the extremes that they go to. Yeah. I get what you're saying though. I like that you said that cause I haven't thought of that perspective yet. Like it's almost anything new. We freak out about it. And mm-hmm. then we realize like the awareness of it is what's going to allow us to like have it appropriately. Right. Right. If you think about back in the day, like people didn't even like cell phones, like that's right. our whole lives. People mm-hmm. were just trying to like TV was the most like entertainment that you would get. Mm-hmm. And then you would just go try to meet someone somewhere mm-hmm. and just hope they go there. Like sure. <laughs> you don't have like a way to text them or call them or yeah. they have a payphone or something. But, and then we figured that out and the, mm-hmm. all the old people complain about our parents generation 
it wasn't theirs and we are now doing it with them. And I'm sure kids one day, our kids one day will be doing that for us. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're right. I like that you said that. Cause I think we do adapt. I hadn't thought of that. Um, yeah. But it does get better, huh? I think so. And I mean, like, you know, I think about how sometimes like, it's really easy to fall into these traps of like judging or like being critical of like the next generation. And I think part of it is like, I'm a little bit of like a zillennial, like a Gen Z millennial cusp. So like, I feel like I can kind of get both sides of like that divide. Like if you shouldn't part your hair in the middle or on the side or like if skinny <laughs> jeans are out or in. So like, I can kind of see like, you know, both mm-hmm. sides of that. And like, I think that it's just fun more than anything, like those examples, but like in general, like I think it's pretty common for like the older generations to be critical of the newer ones. <laughs> it just fits. I find myself doing it sometimes. And I, and I remember making fun of my parents when I was young, mm-hmm. like being like, you guys just don't get it. Cause like, right. you, know, you say dude and all these slang words, like, and now it's like, I find myself doing it. And I'm like, Oh man, like this must be like what they were going through then. Right. And you're right. So it's just a cycle. We're all just going to repeat it. Right. I mean, but, we, we get used to what we get used to. And like, we think things are cool. I do think it's, era. Yeah. <laughs> I do think it's going to be weird. Our generation's going to be like covered in tattoos and we're going to be like playing like rap albums when we're old. Right. You think that's weird? I do think that's weird. I see a lot of TikToks of like, people pretending like you know when i'm 90 i'm going to be listening to this or whatever and it's like they're like have like an old person filter on and really like, it's like i don't know like azealia banks playing <laughs> in the background or whatever <laughs> like pretty funny that will be funny but especially the women because the women like the uh like drake or something or the just the gritty so- there's something like culturally about hip-hop that like f- like laura will listen to some songs that are raunchy as hell mm-hmm. and then but i don't think she knows like, and so sure. I'm like, do you, are you hearing what she's saying right now? She's like, no, like she couldn't repeat you the lyrics for most songs. Mm-hmm. She's just into the song. And I think that's pretty common actually. So it'll be funny to see like the old women just like, put your booty out, put your money out. Right. <laughs> like, Where's my daddy? How? Like, I was like, whoa. Like, <laughs> yeah. It'll be funny. It'll just be like, it, it won't even be like the lyrics. It'll be like, just move into it. Right. Like the beat. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder that's what the funny. music of the future will be like, if it'll be like a lot of techno. Or is that just what movies make us feel like it's going to be? I mean, I could see that for sure. I think that I think about like hyper pop, like, which is like kind of like a hyper pop genre. It's like, it's kind of funny because in a way it's almost a little bit retro, but like future at the same time, Mm -hmm. kind of like references like early 2000s pop, like kind of bubblegum pop vibes. But it's also through this like really like auto tuned or like electronic type production yeah Mm -hmm. so it's interesting like because i think in a way like we're always just going to continuously like cycle certain trends or like yeah you know sample them and bring them back yeah exactly so like i think that'll go on indefinitely but like i think as technology continues to like increase and adapt like maybe music will change too yeah i think it will yeah you're right and there'll always be some like retro like kind of like what you said Mm-hmm. Bring, like kind of like styles what we wear like kind of goes right. away and comes back and stuff like if i look at old pictures of myself i mean i can't be wearing i can't believe that i wore that but mm-hmm. i bet in 20 years from now i'll be watching this podcast like why did i wear that right. or something like just because it changes but mm-hmm. some styles come back and, and go and um it's just kind of weird to see how that is i like watching old movies to think mm-hmm. like um people always saw like Mar- marilyn monroe is it it's yeah. Marilyn, right? Yeah. They're like, this was considered like, she was like the hottest girl of her time. Mm-hmm. And it was just a totally different version of what we think a hot girl would be now. 
Sure. And so it's I like, mean, I uh, wouldn't know, but you wouldn't know no. at all. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, switch it out with I'm someone from that same era, <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. Right. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's weird to think like how taste change. And so it's, um, I wouldn't even know there's a movie or a show on Hulu with James Franco called like 1913. Have you seen it? Uh, uh-uh. no, he goes back in time through like a, a uh-huh. um, a cafe diner. Hmm. He finds some weird closet in the back and it takes him back to like 1913. And the only way to like figure it out is to like, Oh, he's trying to figure out who assassinated JFK. Oh, wow. But he's the time loop takes you to two months before the assassination. Got so it. he has to live in this 1913 for two months before he can try to stop the assassination. And then when he comes back to the diner, like a second has passed in the real world, right. but he will age based off what he's been there even though the real world would be like a second later. Right. So if you do it too much, like you're just like killing yourself in the real wow. world. It's a trippy movie um, or a show, but there's like, he goes back in time and falls in love with a girl. Mm-hmm. And when I watched that show, I remember thinking like, I don't even know if I could do that. Cause like the times were different. They dress different. Culturally is different. They spoke differently. And yeah. the show always makes it like handsome guy meets hands or beautiful lady. And it works out. That's right. not how it'd be in real life. Like they would think that I'm weird. Like how would I even pick out proper clothes to wear as a guy? I would True. think that what I'm wearing is good. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds fun when you watch the shows, but I feel like it, realistically it'd be a terrible idea. Right. And I'm still trying to do the math in my head. I'm like, was JFK alive in 1913? So was it 1813 or when <laughs> I'm going to look up the show real quick. That's interesting. Cause the name of the show, I think it's 1913. Maybe he it? like tries to like assassinate the assassinator of JFK as a baby. Just kidding. No, <laughs> I'm trying to do the math. It's like, wait, so when was JFK? That was like the sixties. Like when he got assassinated. So. So what would the show, how do I even look up the show? <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't matter. F- but no, I, I, I'm going to need to know now. Here he is. Assassination show. James Franco. Uh, Cause it was a good show. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, it's. <laughs> is, is it like 1960? No, it's like the actual date. It's eleven twenty two sixty three is okay, the name of the it. show. Yeah, like that's the actual name of the show. Interesting. That's cool. So that makes way more sense. <laughs> I was like, the whole time I was like, you sure it wasn't like Teddy Roosevelt. I'm or in a history yeah, class right now. If my professor was listening to this podcast, he'd yeah. be so disappointed. It's okay. It's okay. And the only reason I know that is because of Lana Del Rey. So what? What does she have to do? Oh, does she, <laughs> she kill him? She killed him. <laughs> she had the the shotgun. No, I'm just kidding. it was like a sniper. A sniper. Yeah. Um, you see, I don't know guns, but anyways, <laughs> you're so gay. Right, I just know Lana Del Rey. Sniped him with a shotgun, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. She, she was like standing right there. Um, no, she like has a music video where she like references the assassination and the whatever. year. Not the year. I just, I just know that because I don't know high see, school you or make whatever. No sense. You're a nerd. Yeah, I'm just a nerd. I mean, if that hasn't come across yet, yeah, I'll say that. I am terrible with. Um, what I'm terrible with geographics. Like I don't know crap about the map. I kind of know now I'm better as, as I'm older, Yeah. but I was bad with that. I was bad with history. I love history, but I forget when was where and like the order of events. I'm like terrible at it. Yeah. I feel like I'm not, those are definitely not like my strengths. Like I wouldn't say that those are like my best subjects, mm-hmm. but I think over time slowly I'm like getting better at that. Yeah. I like, um, I like older people, like when it comes to conversations, because I feel like they, they live more life, but they also like, I just find it interesting. Like to Laura's one of Laura's old bosses, like older. And he tells some yeah. of the coolest stories. Um, and I like, I work with some members that are older uh, and they have the best stories and there's so much information there. And then I like to feel like I'm taking a walk, like down there, like era. Right. I think it's pretty crazy. 
I think so too. Yeah. Do you think you'll cool. be a good storyteller when you're old? Maybe. Yeah. I think you will be for sure. I hope so. I'll be embellishing them all. Right. There was a huge fire. Like, <laughs> yeah. You're like, and then I met the yin yang twins at the club. No, Have you ever met like a habitual liar? Maybe habitual is not the best word. Yeah. Someone that's clearly lying, but like just does it so much that you like, that's just, oh, it's crazy. Steve, he does that. A little bit. Yeah. I can think of someone without, without diming them out. Like, how is it? Like, how are they? I just felt like there was a lot of like stories that would happen. Like this was like a classmate of mine. Mm -hmm. And so they would always tell stories about like meeting famous people. And like, I think some of them like, you know, felt real or like that could have happened, but like, it's just like the amount that like that would come up. It would would be like a different famous person every time. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, like that seems like a lot. Like, I don't know, but it's one of those things like you may never really know, like if it was real or not. It was probably fake. (laughs) Most good liars lie there's a seat of truth in there so that's the believable part but some people are just so out there i i sold cars with a guy Mm. and he was everything with him was a lie like even stuff that didn't matter like yeah i popped my tire on the way in man and i'm like dude i just watched you get out your tires are fine Mm -hmm. yeah and you just leave and i'm like why would you even lie about that like (laughs) he would do that a lot but literally he would take it so far right that he would uh, he was friends with jay-z uh, and he, he let him use his black card, like oh, which wow. is like the limitless card. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, man. Like you just hear yeah, at this sure. car shop, like you don't sell many cars. Like I don't think you have a black card, but whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he, after I pretty much told him that, I'm like, dude, you don't have a black card. You're making that up. He overly would do things to show me that he knew people. Oof. So he, we would walk outside or something, yeah. me and a buddy of mine, and he'd be there on the phone. He's like, yeah, man, you could. All right, man. Nah, man. Hey, yo, stay up, Jay. And he was like, hang up. Yeah, oh. that was Jay-Z. He's like, <laughs> I wonder if he was like punking you. Like, no, he was dead face. Like yeah. he, was, he was overly like, I'm going to show them that I know famous people. Wow. And we're, we're like, you were just talking to Jay-Z? Yeah, I'm going to stop by his house like yeah. in the summer. And I'm like, bro, stop, man. Like you're just doing it. He would, he would never stop. And to this day, he would. I haven't seen him. But if I did, I bet he would still yeah. continue. He knew Mike Tyson. He went, he's been to Deion Sanders' house. They're just the wildest stories. Wow. And um. We would literally just tell him like, Hey, you know, like we, this doesn't make you cooler. Like we'd like you less if you stopped it or we'd like you more if you stopped doing this. Right. But he, well, he's so committed. He's like, Oh, then yeah, if you, I don't want to meet famous people. Right. And we've known you for a whole year now. I haven't seen one famous person ever, but yeah, it's, I always think of that person. I'm like, what do you get out of it? What do you think they get out of it? I don't know. I mean, maybe it goes back to like, we kind of fall into these habits of doing the things that we feel like gives us like attention or like things that we, feel like you know maybe that'll make me more friends or maybe that'll make me more likable yeah stuff like that maybe have you have you ever held on to a lie for too long like like, like uh, being straight yeah <laughs> for like 17 years are you i'm not gonna top that yeah <laughs> i thought you were gonna say something basic it's like basic like, all, oh yeah it's very profound Derek. yeah i i digress no i don't know i mean i think it's just interesting. Like when, yeah, when you have to keep up something like well, that. Well, sometimes it's innocent. Yeah. I lied when I went to the group home here um, or the FY shelter. Mm-hmm. I, uh, they made this stew. They would always just make stuff and it looked gross. And all the other kids like, oh, it's stew day. Yeah. Like it was one of those things. And I, I saw them putting onions in it. And so I just told the people, I'm like, oh, I'm allergic. I waited till they made it. That way they couldn't like make some without it. Yeah. Um, and they make it in a giant pot because there's like 13 to 16 kids there at all time sure. and so i waited till they're done and they served it and i'm like there's not onions in here is there and they're like yeah i'm like i'm, I'm like deathly die. allergic and they go oh i'm so sorry will and they made me my own food so it worked nice. and then a couple so then like every time on stew day 
like they would uh, they would make me something else, right? Mm-hmm. But then I had to keep the lie up. So there'd be things that had onions that I did like, like fajitas. Oh, and they're no. like, oh, Will, like, I guess we'll make you like a sandwich. And I'm like, I could probably pick it off. They're like, nah, it's deathly. You told us. So like, <laughs> they probably knew after a while. Well, like, here's how it ends. Yeah. So I couldn't keep it up anymore. And I went to, uh, I, I started at Cruces High. It was like, mm-hmm. I went to the shelter at the end of the school year. And then I started going to Cruces and the shelter was close. And so they would pick me up across the street at a Sonic. And uh, uh, they one day they came and I, it slipped my mind. They came to pick me up and I was eating onion rings. Like, like oh. <laughs> And they're like, they realized that I got in so much trouble. Yeah. And I'm like, Damn. but then it felt relieving. I was True. like, oh, now I can have fajitas. Like, but for like months, I kept up this lie that onions would kill me. All wow. because I didn't want to eat a stew. I mean, I would do the same <laughs> if I was clever <laughs> enough. Yeah. I think if I told them I really don't want to eat this, I mean, maybe they make me eat it anyways. But I bet if I was cool about it and just like, hey, I just don't like this stuff. Like, I feel like yeah. they would have still made me something else. But it's weird how if you don't know and you do it and then you just stick with it. Right. So I missed out on tons of good meals because of the stupid lie. Oh, there's a metaphor in there somewhere. Yeah. There's a metaphor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not better than your 17 year story, but what? Jesus Christ. Can you imagine lying about onions for 17 years? <laughs> That's hilarious. But no, it's kind of funny how we do. I always catch on to little things like that. Like, what do we, I never, like that makes more sense to me. Like that story than someone who's just making up. Sure. Well, I always feel like those people should write, scripts like in Hollywood or something. Yeah. If you're that creative to think of some wild stuff, like mm-hmm. maybe, maybe they're just in the wrong job, like put it in a creative pursuit yeah, or something. Maybe they yeah. just, no one told them. There you go. They don't know how to like channel that power. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. I think we passed our hour. We're at a minute 14. How do you feel so far? Was it fun? Yeah, it's been great. Yeah. It's nice catching up to a little it is. bit. I know we haven't had a, a lot of time to sit down at all, let alone one-on-one. And right. so I appreciate you coming down and talk about it. Um, And we are good. Ladies and gentlemen, Danny G. (laughs) Thanks, brother. Yeah, it's nice. We're out. See ya.